When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, May the 4th. This is episode number 196. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Good, Rod. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, I had to, I kind of almost, you know, overthought saying that today's Thursday, May 4th, <laughs> you know, not May, May 4th, you know. Right, so, right. So, yeah. There you go. So, welcome to all the Star Wars fans that are tuning into the wrong podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, tonight, uh, tonight we're going to talk Brown's draft with uh with our guest thor nystrom you can follow thor at thor ku thor is a uh, or we'll say he's the nfl draft and uh, college football analyst for at fantasy pros and at betting pros thor how are things going they're going well, boys. Good to be with you. Trying to catch up on some sleep this week, but uh, it's fun to talk about stuff that actually happened in the draft as opposed to like addressing false narratives that, that you start to get at the end of April. So love that. Uh, love the post-draft time, and it's fun to talk about these classes. Yeah, we thought this would be um, – I mean, we thought it fit better with your schedule this year for, for one thing, but um, thought it would be kind of different to talk to you after the draft this year. So we're yeah. kind of looking forward to this and kind of, you know, um, you know, maybe how you think they did overall, but just really getting some more information on some of these guys that, that we're still trying to, to learn about, you know, who the Browns took. So um, luckily, luckily, I gave the Browns a good grade this year. Uh, once again, I won my industry's lowest grader award. Uh, I seen that on <laughs> Football Outsiders <laughs> yesterday. They, they said Nystrom gets gold again for being the cruelest drafter. I was like, I'm putting that on my tombstone. But uh, luckily, the Browns were one of the few teams I could gave a good grade to. So yeah, excited to talk about their class. Nice. <laughs> well, well, let's let's put that out because I didn't see what grade you gave the Browns. I'm gonna. I think it was a B plus, but I gotta. I gotta look it up now. B plus. 
I think so, but let me let me just check. I'm getting it right. Oh no, I under, I undersold. I gave him an A minus, and I I don't give nice. out a ton A A minus or above. So I it was a thumbs up for me for what Cleveland did for sure. Nice. Well, I would guess so. I mean, if you're a tough grader, an A minus is pretty good. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's top ten in the NFL for sure. Yeah, at least in my eyes. So what what? What do you? What are your parameters for the grades, Thor? I mean, is it is it value at the pick, or, or is it fit, or what? What do you factor into that? Yeah, it's predominantly the way that I. So I'll tell you one thing I I don't do is there's some guys that bake the trades in. Um, you know, for instance, um, I I did a couple different recap shows for Fantasy Pros going over grades with guests. So like one day I did we did Chab Ryder, he and I did the NFC, and then. Evan Silva and I did the AFC and Evan mentioned that part of his grading process is to bring in the outside trades into the grade. Yep. I I don't do that. I, and, and in part, it's not because I think it's wrong. It's because I am in the way that I see it, you either got to bring in every transaction that led to that pick, or you got to do none of them and you got to pick one or the other. And like some of them become really complicated. Like if it's a, a pick that, you know, was in a trade a year ago and it's for like a future pick and then that pick's used to move up. And right, then, right. Like it's it's just like it's like Inception. It's easier to that follow right. the, the plot line of Inception than doing that. So, I, you know, again, like I judge the ball where it lies. But a part of that is like if a team has a lack of equity, I don't hold that against them in their grade. I'm just judging the players that you got in those slots were those good values were you know and both in a vacuum but also in the moment contextually when you were making that decision uh, i try to do that and then um baking in a little bit of did you hit your needs that that would be the other thing but that that's a little bit lower the the biggest thing okay. for me is that getting that value in that slot um you know again both in a vacuum but also in the specific context when that decision was made it's interesting because yeah. um andrew berry talks about not drafting for need an awful lot but when we look at what we ended up with, it's funny how we ended up getting an awful lot of needs taken care of in this draft. For sure. Yeah. And and the more important point at correct price points or objective yeah. steel price points in this case, in my opinion, like you start with Tillman. So they got to wait till 74. And again, like I'm not docking them for Deshaun Watson trade in the same way that I'm not crediting them for what I thought was a very clever trade for Elijah Moore. Those yep. things aren't included, just the picks. But because of that, mm -hmm. you don't come up till 74. They're in this receiving class where there's an utter dearth of, well, both the receiving class stunk just, you know, in a vacuum in that case. But like specifically in terms of true outside boundary receivers and guys that you could project as true outside boundary receivers in the NFL that could start for a long time. Like you could, you could count certainly with two hands, you could count that maybe arguably even one. And Cedric Tillman's definitely that. Like, I was banging the drum for Cedric Tillman all process. He's a better player for sure than Jalen Hyde is. And I think he's a better prospect too. And to me, neither of those, it's not a scandalous take at all. I was saying that back when everyone was saying Hyatt was going to go in the first round. They end up going one slot apart in the draft. Right. But objectively, getting that value there, that <laughs> very good pick. And then you just go down like, uh, Browns, their first four, their fourth pick, it's at 126. But those first four picks, all those kids were in my top 70. Like Eco was 69, McGuire's 61, Dewan Jones was 46. He falls circumstantially. I don't think that's going to affect him in the NFL much. And then Tillman, I had 56. 
So all just like objective, really good values in those slots. And I also like what they did late. So for me, it was just like pick after pick after pick. You're getting good values. Yeah, you get the cherry on top because they were in positions in need too. Yeah, interesting. You know, I was going to ask you about um, those those picks on either side of Cedric Tillman. I mean, a lot of people here had Jalen Hyatt mocked to the Browns. I mean, he was kind of like, you know, the, the Christmas present everybody wanted um, yeah. here in Cleveland. Um, and so, you know, when he went off the board one pick ahead, it was like, you know, this big letdown, right? And then the Browns went receiver anyway. Um, and then one pick later, Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. Um, you know, another kind of big need we thought we were looking for was that edge guy or, or defensive line guy. Um, I mean, of those three players, do you think Cedric Tillman is is the most NFL ready? Yeah, and I think he'll be the best NFL player. Uh, I'm here to tell Cleveland, fear not, you were protected from yourself by the Giants <laughs> in that situation. Like, if I mean, if you want another Anthony Schwartz, go ahead and take Jalen Hyatt. But if you want a guy that can start on the boundary for a long time and be solid in the NFL, if that's Cedric Tillman. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. So what did you think of Zach Harrison as a prospect, knowing that he was taken one pick later? I like Zach Harrison. Like it, this, it's nothing against my, you know, that it's nothing against Zach Harrison. I had Zach Harrison 72nd on my board. It's funny. The guy that I comped into was, I think the fourth pick of the draft three or four years ago, Clellan Farrell, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think Zach Harrison might even be a slightly better athlete, but you have those ridiculously long levers that he has, like, you know, that his wingspan is 85 and a half inches First of all, that's stupid. And then the frame is perfect, 6'5 and a half, 274, and then 87th percentile Raz. He he's got obviously there's polishing that needs to happen there, but like the ball of clay, there there's not many edge prospects that have those kind of physical attributes and gifts. Yes. So yeah, to me, I mean, like where he went, that was another really good value. I wouldn't have taken him over Tillman in Cleveland's uh shoes, but like yeah. I really like Harrison too, and in, in his own right, I thought he was a bit of a value there too. Right. So I, I asked you that to kind of set up this next question, Thor. Um, we talked a little bit about the Browns wanting to develop another edge um, or de-tackle or somebody to complement what we we've got so far. Um, and a couple of the guys that I thought would be values, you know, later in the draft for us, knowing where we picked, were Zach Harrison and Andre Carter the second. I mean, Andre Carter II got a lot of pre-draft buzz, right? And the questions around him were, you know, the Army commitment and, you know, where would he fit, right? And I thought it was fascinating that he went undrafted and the, the, then the, your Vikings were able to pick him up with a $340,000 guarantee. Um, how do you think they utilize him? Carter, initially? Yeah. Um, well, the, the number one thing, so I was a bit lower on him. Like I like Carter enough, but even just with my UDFAs, he, he stacked 25th on my UDFAs. I like, I definitely like, I like IJ McGuire a whole lot more than, than Andre Carter, for instance. But like the thing Carter has to do, he's got to add weight number one and, mu- you know, dash muscle. He, like right. the power is a real problem. Uh, he was getting pushed around even by the crappy offensive tackles that army played in the run game and getting washed out there. And then yeah. he went to the senior bowl and we were hoping for a little bit better. Uh, if the play strength hadn't improved, maybe the leverage would have, or the, the plan of attack initially, but like nothing, like he, he just gets shoved out immediately and it can open these enormous holes on his side of the field. 
he can't be played in the NFL against the run for sure. Um, like, like I said, he wasn't even a good run defender at Army, and they were playing one of the FBS's worst schedules each year he was there. The the thing he's got, he he has that ridiculous length as well. He's in that stretched out frame. That like the frame is great, and then you have some of the athletic traits. But obviously, the other thing that hurt him was he didn't test as athletic as some people thought he would. Mm. You know, from their viewing of him, um, I didn't think he was like a freak athlete. But like, I, you know, I like the traits as far as like. Like his ability to threaten the outside shoulder real quick and keep the distance with that length, the way he uses that length. But the the pass rush itself needs some fine tuning. He needs to work on the counters and then like quickly going through the counters, like stuff like that. Like naturally, one of your your first you know answer gets shut down or the, your first plan of attack seamlessly going to that next one and using your length to do so because he already has that built in. So th- yeah. they just they just have to teach him how to use that a little bit better at the next level. But like the run game is the thing where it's like that's a true open ended question because he absolutely needs to get stronger and he absolutely has to has, have that better plan for the run. And right now he's just not playable in that area. So he's likely to be a long term project and and more of a three four outside linebacker. It's possible, yeah. And you know Flores runs mostly three man fronts, so yeah, I like. They, I don't see any scenario where he can become a 3-4 defensive end. So I would have to assume that's the way that the Vikings are looking at him. Right. But even at that position, like like he's to me, he's not getting on the field as a rookie. Unless, you know, the you know, with the Vikings, like if, if things go south, maybe at the very end, you know, just to, you know, if it doesn't matter anymore, the outcome of the game. But like if you're trying to be a competitive team, you couldn't even play him there because again against the run, like he's just gonna get targeted. So maybe they can work with them as far as like the past rushing moves at that, you know, the, you know, stand up position, whatever, coming off the edge, try to work on, you know, the counter moves, whatnot. And then meanwhile, you try to get him stronger there. I, if, it, if he's not handing the dirt on the outside, there's less impetus of that hold up strength right away. But you still have to do it like in a three, four, you still have to set that edge when the concepts coming your way, whatnot. So that th- that's the thing that they got to work on. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sounds like he's going to be the Randy Johnson of outside linebackers. <laughs> might be, might be. <laughs> so another guy that kind of surprised me, and, and I'm, this kind of leads into you know what the Browns did in the seventh round. But um, Kenny McIntosh was was sitting there when when we traded our seventh round pick away, and you know we we needed some some running back depth. Um, did, did that surprise you that he lasted until the pick two thirty seven to the Seahawks? Um. I might have had him just slightly higher on my board, but not really that he went in the seventh because, like, the thing he's – obviously, the thing he's good at, it's it's the receiving utility whatnot. Yeah. But, like, for, like, a space back like that, the athletic profile is a little bit lower. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I still think he can handle third downs in the NFL and, and some of that receiving utility. But, like, you know, on most rosters, that guy is going to be more athletic than he is. Okay. So, um, that, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was a fair price point getting him in the seventh, but yeah, like, you know, th- the fact that the other Georgia runners got that meat and potato stuff and he was mostly used as the receiver. And then he goes to the combine and what was it? I got it on my sheet here was uh 40th percentile athlete. That's just yeah. what hurt mm-hmm. him in that regard. Mm-hmm. But okay. Yeah. He'll, he'll be able to catch. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't probably going to get a lot of first and second down runs here in Cleveland behind Nick Chubb. For sure. <laughs> Not a lot. Right. Not yeah. too many. All right, last question I have for you, Thor. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, um, you know, we, we were kind of beating the drum for a, a long-term number two quarterback here in Cleveland, um, knowing that we're 
committed to to Deshaun Watson long term. Um, do you think he's the right fit? I mean, is he the the Tyler Huntley to to um, Lamar Jackson uh, for us? I think so. Yeah, like there's a lot of things about him I like. I there's some other things where. I don't know if you can fix it enough that he can be like a long-term starter, but yeah, that's who I comped him to Huntley. And that's who the NFL folks were comping him to like a year ago, like now, right? Like yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the utility you get, but if you fix the thing with him, like then he could become a starter. It's it, like the things you like, obviously athleticism, he's got zip in that arm for sure. And yeah. he doesn't mind airing the ball out, whatnot. And he's also a team leader who dies on the sword on the field. Like you're getting everything for Dorian Thompson Robinson. The the one question with him, it's within the pocket. Like he just doesn't seem like it, it's not. He doesn't do the rhythm throwing thing that the other kids do. And then the other thing is under pressure in the like. I don't question him as far as like the way he plays and that he's a fearless guy. But like you'll see him bail pockets early when there, there's pressure or start to make wonky decisions. Certainly, askew his mechanics in, in 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 instances of that. I've seen him go through the progressions. I know he can do that kind of stuff. Like I said, he's got the arm and everything like that. But it's like in the pocket, they need to work on his game there. And if and if you can fix that stuff, yeah, that's how he becomes a potential starter in the NFL. But you know, I think most of the NFL viewed that as. A bridge too far to to bump his value up. He went in an appropriate range. That's a hard thing to correct at the NFL level with a guy that's played that often, right? Yeah. Like it, it's great that he's as experienced as he is. That's a a feather in his cap on the other side of the eval. But like the fact that he still has some of that skittishness when that that pressure starts to get on him over that many reps, it becomes harder to project that you're going to be able to fix that. Yeah, you think he has a hard time beating out Kellen Mond? Well, Kellen Mond stinks, so no. I, I think I think uh I think, I think we talked Mond, about him last year with you. Yeah. He's, yeah, he is a yeah. Yeah, Kellen Mond I don't think is any jeopardy to no, I think DTR will beat him out. Like I think Kellen Mond's coming to an XFL stadium near you pretty soon. Nice. <laughs> People either haven't seen him play or, or they or they like him, I guess. One or the other. Or they're looking they're, they're looking at old scouting reports, old recruiting reports on yeah. Kellen Mond. I, I seen that kid play too much as a Vikings fan. I, I I'll never forget when they asked Zimmer like at the end of that last season when he was a rookie when and then uh, Cousins goes down and then Zimmer's like yeah we're gonna start Manion and everyone's like looking around like wait the game doesn't mean anything and you're not gonna start Kalamon see what you have and some you know reporter had the temerity to ask him like why don't you start Kellen and Zim <laughs> and Zimmer said because I see enough of them right <laughs> yeah what they had it's like wow. whoa. But yeah, I, a lot I got of people here were from. here. A lot of people here were shocked that we drafted a quarterback, knowing that we already have Josh Dobbs, who we cut last year, and Kellen Mond on the roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, maybe you keep Dobbs as the backup next year. But yeah, like, I mean, I, I think Dorian, like I said, I think he can at least do Tyler Huntley things at the very minimum. Yeah, so that would be great. Whether it's he's not the QB two next year, certainly could be the next year, but. I, like, I don't see any problem with that, like having him as a QB2 immediately. Yeah. He's played plenty of football. Yeah, so so let's let's go back to Edge. And I wanted to get more, more of your thoughts on Isaiah McGuire. Uh, but let, let's also uh, maybe throw in the undrafted free agent, um, Lonnie Phelps from uh, Kansas. Oh, my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Browns gave him 250000 Yeah. Uh, to come Lonnie. in. So. So, yeah, and um, what do you think, Jeff? I mean, I don't know if the Browns um, 
I, I guess uh, I guess maybe there's room. I don't know. You never know what how many guys are going to keep at each possession. But um, right. kind of wanted to get your thoughts on those guys. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go from a Missouri Tiger to a Kansas Jayhawk, which is tough for this Kansas alum. But I'll start by saying <laughs> the nice things about the Missouri kid because I, I, I actually really like I.J. McGuire. One thing that really confused me about where he ended up falling is – what we knew about Isaiah McGuire from the season is he's a power end that can set a clean edge, like like the opposite of Carter, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Like, he's holding his ground. He's setting that edge. He's really good in run defense, but, like, wasn't quite sure what kind of an athlete he was. That was my question about him. Then he goes in the pre-draft testing, and he tested awesome. And it's like the NFL didn't change their evaluation to him because of that testing. Like, if he had tested, like – you know, maybe 70th percentile, like maybe I would have assumed heading in, then, okay, you know, he can go there. But like, I thought with that testing and you already know he can do the meat and potatoes stuff and the run defense stuff, you can project some of the stuff that maybe you haven't seen quite yet with him as far as upside as a pass rusher. So uh, I was surprised that he ended up going there. I, I either had him as a late second rounder or an early third rounder on my board and he ends up falling down there. I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, Lonnie Phelps in UDFA, that's a really good signing. Uh, Not surprised that they got aggressive with him. He was certainly one of the best edge rushers that didn't get drafted. I expected him to get drafted. But he's a extremely usage-specific player. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and certainly the team that has him is is going to know that and deploy him as such. But where Lonnie Phelps is awesome, you just have to let him off the leash and come downhill and attack. If you let him just go downhill and attack, that's what he does both on special teams and then, you know, as, as the edge rusher, whatever, coming off the edge, rushing the passer. He also is, is decent against the run as well, especially at his size when you're comparing him to some of these other edge guys. But it's just that attacking ethos. And that's where he's really fun. That's the stuff he's good at. The stuff he's not good at. And, like, we didn't get to see as much film on this, but it's pretty telling that both of his coaching staffs more or less completely kept him away from this side of the game. They never dropped him into coverage. And so, like, you know, I total unknown, but I wouldn't assume that he's good at that whatsoever, because if he was, they would have let him do that. So, yeah. like, as long as you, you're you OK, just, you know, you know, situational pass rusher is what we're talking about here with special teams utility. You put them on, you know, like your your units going down, covering the kicks, covering the punts like he's going to blast some guys like he he is a like the way he plays is, like I said, just super fun. He just has this fearless style and he's like like a Terminator type. Like, it's just like he needs, you know, or like a hunting dog. Like he just has to get there. There's like this frenetic style and he converts speed to power really well, but you got to play him forward. So last year we took um, a defensive end named Alex Wright in the third round. Um, Isaiah McGuire feels an awful lot like the same player. Am I, am I unfair in that assessment? Um, well, no, maybe not. Like, I don't think Alex Wright, like a ton in, in college, was dropped into coverage for maybe in terms of that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So so let's get your thoughts on the last two picks the Browns made. Because um, it sounds like you kind of liked all their picks. So uh, Cameron Mitchell and uh, and the center from Ohio State. Um, is, it, is it Luke? Is oh, it Whippler? Whippler, yeah. Whippler. Yeah. Whippler's going to start. Like, I don't know if, if as a rookie, but, like, I think he's going to start in the NFL for a while. Um, he might need a year, you know, bulk up, whatnot. And a part of the reason his price point was depressed, it, it's because he's on the smaller side. He can find a center. But, like, that's a really smart kid who doesn't blow blocks. 
like as as a pivot in the NFL, maybe he doesn't have like all pro potential, but do I think he's going to be one of the 32 best centers in the league for a while? Yeah, I do. So like sometimes guys like that, they just fall through the cracks because teams are like gunning on upside and, you know, different stuff like that. They want the higher ceiling, but sometimes you just take the guy with the higher floor where you're like, this guy's going to be around for a really long time. And like, I think he can be at least a decent starter in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff talked for a long time about how loaded this, this class was with, with cornerbacks. So how did the Browns do with Cameron Mitchell? Um, I thought they did pretty well. Yeah. Like, you know, talked about this with some of the other Northwestern players during the process, but they were all sort of stranded in a bad spot. Like last year, that team was an absolute train wreck, certainly on offense, but like the defense as well. And they were just sort of besieged whatnot. It's weird because that team had some really good players, obviously, you know, like Skaronsky, Adebowale, Evan Hall, whatnot, and Cameron Mitchell, a part of that too. But I, I don't think he got, uh, you know, as, as, as good of a spotlight or a uh, stage to highlight his game as like some of these other guys, or at least in at, as advantageous a spot. But like he grows on you the more that you watch him. Uh, the frame is certainly NFL caliber. So is the athletic profile, different stuff like that. And he started the last couple of years in the Big Ten. Like he knows what he's doing out there. The footwork he's clearly worked on. Like there, there's a polish to his game that you don't see with some of those other, you know, like I was talking about, like teams like shooting the moon for like the upside guy, whatnot. And a lot of times mm-hmm. they're technically all over the place. That's something that you don't have to uh, worry about with Cameron Mitchell. And again, he's he's a younger prospect and he has all the requisite tools as well. So I, I thought that was a pretty good pick. Is he likely to to work in the slot for us, Thor? I think he could play on the outside. But yeah, like, you know, I think he could handle the slot as well. I, I think it would just depend on your team. But like, he's not one of these, like, you know, for instance, like Clark Phillips, who goes in round four. There's, or um, especially the kid from TCU, uh, Hodges Tomlinson. Like, those guys, obviously, they cannot play on the boundary in the NFL. That's not the case with a guy like Cameron Mitchell. Okay. I mean, that that was the obvious need for us. I mean, we've got a lot of outside guys. I mean, and, and high dollar outside guys, too. Um, mm-hmm. So, the question really is, is, you know, wh- where do they see him growing and evolving? Um, and, you know, we talked a couple of podcasts ago, I think, about, you know, how those those outside cornerbacks, those those high dollar guys can be valuable trade pieces. And maybe it's a smart move to have less expensive guys, you know, out there, uh, particularly when you got a, you know, really expensive quarterback. Um, so can, can he develop as as a starter on the outside? Like, I mean, it's just your prerogative, right? But, like, he absolutely has that tool set to do so. But, you know, as far as the slot stuff, I wouldn't mind that. You know, if if that, you know, I don't know the way that they're viewing him or if they've come out and said that, whatever. But, like, he does come up and help with the run. And, obviously, when you're thinking about a guy playing closer to the ball in that nickel roll, you don't want a guy that skirts their duties with the run. He (laughs) he, He does not. And that, that footwork that leads to the agility and, you know, uh, being more efficient within the route breaks, whatnot, not seeding that separation. He certainly has that. So, like, you could try him there for sure, you know, if, if you're thinking about develop, d- developing him there. But, like, I guess the whole point is, like, there's no cap on him, you know, as far as that goes, because, you know, he's not athletic enough or he's not big enough. Like, he has all those tools. Yep. I think we kind of expected the Browns to draft a running back, but it, um, like apparently they liked Hassan Hall and um, gave him some, uh, I think, guaranteed money, the 125000 So 
Uh, what's your take on him? He's not um, not a super big guy, and he didn't rush for a whole bunch of yards in college. But he had a lot of all-purpose yards. So, um, what's your, what's your take on Hassan Hall, Thor? I I thought he might get drafted because of the athletic profile. And you know, speaking of bad situations in in college, like because because Hassan Hall, Louisville before they had a loaded backfield, then you go to Georgia Tech and you're in this crappy offensive environment, but. What he proved, at least with the athletic profile, I, I thought that might get him up to draftable range. Uh, he wasn't my favorite back in the class. Like, I think I had him like RB 31, but certainly like, yeah, right outside the draft as far as the UDFA. Um, I assume he had multiple suitors that he could have gone to. I don't mind that one at all. Like he's, you know, he would have been one of the better. Uh, let me look at my UDFA thing, but I, I probably would have had him top, certainly top as a top 10 guy outside the draft at that position yeah like i i would have had him 12th i guess you know out of the the undrafted running backs but like yeah i mean like as far as going that direction you're you certainly have that you know athleticism that you can uh go back on and he's one of like how many backs in this class were above the 210 threshold and then tested better than 80th percentile yeah you have a little handful mm-hmm. there but he's he's a part of that little handful mm-hmm. okay interesting I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, quick question. You're, you're pretty familiar with Dalvin Tomlinson, Thor. Um, and then the Browns went and drafted Saaki Ika. Um, can those two guys play together? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Can you say the, the first part again? Dalvin Tomlinson. We obviously oh, paid yeah, a bunch of boy. money for him, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, we've, we've now got two really large men um, yeah. at, at D-Tackle, right? Um, can, can they Can they play together? That's kind of the question around here right now. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm curious to see if the Browns view Ika as a guy to come in immediately, but like there's no more developing to do there. Like the thing right. he does, well, he already does. It's, you know, occupy guys. The question mm-hmm. with Ika, it's like can he do anything outside of the one note sort of bull rush thing? You know, like he was more effective with the, you know, at least pushing the pocket in the year, you know, the year before 2021, whatever. But then last year people were just like, yeah, we know what he's going to do. He's just coming forward and they were able to take some of that away. But like, you know, th- that's the next evolution of his game. But the thing that, you know, that he does, he, he already does. Uh, I think you could play him together. You know, I mean, it just depends on what you want from the interior. If you're willing to give away some of that pass rushing upside for, mm. you know, we're just going to like these guys are going to occupy three guys. Like we got two war daddies up there and it's going to help out the linebackers like flow behind them. We're going to free up everyone else. Right. Exactly. Like you could definitely see that. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you could, it's just, you're trading in some of that pass rushing utility for, for a better run defense. I've seen Tomlinson's, I mean, snap counts over the last several years. And I mean, I, I really question, you know, whether or not Ike is going to get an awful lot of, you know, of, of his fill, fill in stuff, you know, that, that, that you can't, you can't keep Tomlinson out there all the time. Right. So, um, it probably helps to have another large man on the roster, right? 
For sure. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a position where a lot of times, not that you see like a platoon, but where you see, you know, extra bodies come in. Uh, not a lot of them play every single snap of the game. So yes. at the very minimum, you know that Ika can be a rotational guy that can play on the early downs as a rookie. Okay, um, one last question. I don't think we've talked much about Dewan Jones. So, Thor, how how close do you think he is to to being a starting right tackle in, in the NFL? I think he could do it now. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you talk about a guy who's like his special sauce. He already got it. Like the ludicrous length, and obviously this just enormous package. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, he was down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He dominated the first day on the Tuesday, and then. This is where his pre-draft process turned to go south because he decided he didn't want to do the, the the other days. He pulls out of the event then, and then he basically skipped everything else as well as far as the testing goes, whatnot. But like that allowed him to get down to the Browns at what I think is a steal of a price point. I think that kid could start as a right tackle right away and play for a long wow. time. Looks like with the Brown situation, they're not going to need him to do that. But like. Mm-hmm. I mean, like all those, you know, Phil Lodeholt, Orlando Brown, like, you know, all those guys that are sort of of that phylum, they all get nitpicked for their quote unquote lack of athleticism coming out. But like those big guys that prove the concept of the highest level of college football where that's like their superpower, they they convert that right away. Like you can play those guys right away. So I'm sure they're going to work on him with like, you know, hey, Dewan, you're a professional now. Like, you know, in fact, it'd be better if you were like closer to. He gets you down to 360, maybe even 350. But, like, I, I don't know if that's in the cards for him. But, like, either way, I think maybe as a rookie on, on this depth chart, maybe you just work with him on being the professional year one. But, yeah, he's going to start for a long time. We're going to have to have a, a, a contest later on, Rod. Um, the over-under on the first game that where Dewan Jones checks in as tackle eligible and catches a touchdown pass. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, Thor, we, we know you've got to get running. So um, everybody who's not following you can follow you at ThorKU and uh, find your stuff at Fantasy Pros. And uh, is there anything else you want to throw out there for us? No, that's it. You guys hit it. Appreciate it. Good talking to you as always. Absolutely. Good talking to you, Thor. Yeah, Appreciate take care. It. So, Jeff. Is there anything you want to touch on that, that Thor talked about? Anything else that he talked about, perhaps? Yeah, Thor does a great job of of explaining um, what these guys' strengths are, and and I, I yeah. wish we had the time with him to just go into a lot of detail on every um yeah, with, on every player, with every with every player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to trying to think back here. I mean. I mean, it seemed to me that he he felt like the Browns got just uh, just going over, you know, the first four picks and where he had those guys rated. I mean, he's definitely on board and and feeling that the Browns got tremendous value in yeah. this draft, and he really likes sure. a lot of these guys. Um, well, I, I think we we did really well in terms of um, ceiling with with you know picks in that range. Um, you know, we also pound for pound. I think got more human flesh than. Anybody else in the NFL? So. Those four picks. I think so. I mean, well, and he sees pretty much everybody the Browns drafted as as guys who are gonna who have the ability to start in the league. You know, I think yeah. He said I mean, that I, about I, I don't. I, I don't know. know about. Um, I don't know about Isaiah McGuire. Um, but, well, I guess he didn't um, really say that, did he? Not for Isaiah yeah. McGuire. I mean, he's 
It's probably um, more of a rotational piece for me, but um, you know, he likes him. We've though. got a lot sort of guys of like, like that, you know. Yeah, and he, and he likes him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he had him ranked pretty high. So, um, yeah, I think you know ultimately, if we get a couple of starters out of those first three picks, and and everybody else in this draft is is depth for us, um, man, that's going to be a home run because you don't yeah. picking this yeah. late, you don't expect that. Yeah, and uh, and we. We didn't get to uh, we didn't get to talk about the Browns news yet. You know, I, I was going to ask Thor about the the safeties out of Ohio State, but that kind of changes a little bit with the Browns. Um, right. with the Browns signing um, of McLeod, McLeod today. Yeah. Um, you know, today. Um, I don't know, and I, I know you liked Ronnie Hickman. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I saw some upside in Ronnie Hickman. Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of Ohio State football um, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's, you know, he's a very opportunistic kind of player that, um, you know, I think th- there's there's some potential there. Um, and, I, you know, we're probably going to keep four safeties. You know, so, you know, th- does, yeah. does he have the ability to beat out DeAnthony Bell? Yeah, yeah, I think he does. Um but I mean, Rodney McLeod just gives us that veteran presence. I mean, he's you know 33 years old, 11 years in the league. Um, he started 17 games last year for Indy, um, and he gives us a, a, a backup at free safety to Juan Thornhill. That I mean, we now have two free safeties on the roster when you know we haven't had one for the last three seasons. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit different. A little bit different. Right. Yeah. Tells you that the approach is you know, to the secondary is going to be a little bit different than it has been in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Jeff, I didn't get to, to Thor on this, but um, the the uh, undrafted free agent, uh, the linebacker out of Utah, um, is getting some buzz. Yeah. 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 Um, have you had a chance to, to to look into him much, and what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so uh, Diabate, for some strange reason, did not get invited to the combine, um, and, and that really hurt him. Um, you know, he's a really fast player. Uh, they call him Mo Speed. That's sort of his nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watch tape on him, I mean, you, you see that. I mean, he's he's fast and he's he's at the point of attack quickly. Um, I think for him, the 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 question, kind of like we've talked to some of these other players, is you know, how do you utilize that guy? You know, he he's played some safety. Um, he's played some inside linebacker. Um, he's been out on the edge. He's a tall kid, kind of a thin frame. Um, but six three two twenty nine is what, yeah, is what yeah. I saw so when I looked him up. So another one of those guys, you know, like we had talked about, um, you know, filling that that spot um, in the middle that's so important in the wide nine. And you know, I'd thrown out the name uh, Demarvin Overshone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who ended up going a lot higher than I expected him to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, as a consolation prize, um, I mean, Diabate is is a pretty pretty similar type of player, I think. Um, you know, who comes in as a UDFA. So I think he's got a pretty good chance of. He's got a lot of special teams experience as well. So he's he's got a pretty good chance of of knocking one of those special teams guys. You know, uh, Matthew Adams, uh, Jordan Kanashik, maybe even Tony Fields off the mm-hmm. roster. Um, Lord knows we've got a, a lot of people at the linebacker position. Um, just, yeah, we're going to see who how, what cream rises to the top, right? How dissimilar is he to uh, to JOK? I mean, 
Uh, what you're describing, it sounds a lot like style. Style wise, I think he's similar. He's just he's a bigger guy. A little bit, yeah, two twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know so what JOK I mean, what JOK's weight is. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not quite that big. Right. I mean, you could you could use Diabate in a, in a lot of ways because he's bigger. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the Browns signed another linebacker at Georgia Tech, Charlie Thomas, but he's he's he's. Um, I I don't know if he's another guy who's played safety. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he's, I think he's, he's more six two two sixteen. Yeah, and he's safety, another yeah. another guy like that. So so you, you see this. I mean, in 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 every draft, but um, you know, as they build out the the roster for camp, that you've got you know multiple players of a certain profile. You know, like we we talked about um, Alex Wright. You know, and Isaiah McGuire being drafted in a pretty similar mold right and then uh, yeah even even you know they they brought in another guy jeremiah martin uh as a udfa and edge out of washington who's you know roughly the same size roughly the same type of player right so you've got yeah, a I lot mean, of different pieces that, that that fit the same profile what kind of chances jeremiah martin have of making the team not a lot, but I uh, yeah, mean, I short, guess he'll short of a you know a bunch a rash of injuries. Um, I think he's a yeah. camp body. I mean, he's, it, yeah. It tells me that they're looking for a guy with with that athletic profile. Yeah, definitely. And the Browns also um, signed another uh, tight end, six x two forty nine, Thomas Thomas Greeny out of uh, Albany. Mm. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, they, obviously, they they just sign guys and and uh, you know guys who they think have a chance to contribute, or maybe guys who are looking at for the practice squad. Sure. So, um, so yeah. Um, I mean, we we went into sure. this draft thinking that there were eleven areas of need, right? We, that we've talked about in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, with the draft, the Browns satisfied seven of them. Um, and in the UDFA class, they've got candidates for probably three more. The only, well, and, and tight end, I, I still believe that the, the tight, the third tight end position won't be resolved until after veteran cutdowns. I, I think that's yeah, when they'll probably, probably bring that guy in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, guys out there. Yeah. So, um, you know, to, to have all of those positions with, you know, need addressed. And, you know, now you add Rodney McLeod to that mix, um, you know, because we, we've, we added a you know, couple of safeties uh, and now you've got a, a, a veteran in that position as well. Um, man, there's going to be some battles in camp and, and, you know, if everybody stays healthy, um, you know, this, this roster is going to be pretty strong. Yeah, and that's the way you want it. You want, um, you know, you want the jobs to go. The guys who play best. You want guys wanting jobs by default because injuries. I mean, beside the point of the fact, you know, the fact that you want everybody to be healthy. But yeah, of course. But um, it, here's a question for you, Jeff. Um, I was just thinking about this. In this draft, now there are normally a lot of trades in, in the draft. It seemed like yeah. there were a ton of trades in this draft. More than mm. usual um, yeah. throughout the draft. What does that tell you either about the draft class or 
about GMs or about, you know, maybe the state of the game. I, I really kind friends. of felt early on that a lot of teams were panicking. They were, they were falling in love with specific players at positions of need and, and they were going up after them. And I, I thought that a lot of guys got drafted um, probably earlier than they should have, particularly among lower value positions like running mm-hmm. back and linebacker. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's one thing to, to go up and get, you know, the top edge on your board. Right. Um, yeah. It's, 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 I, I totally get a team, you know, wanting to, wanting a quarterback early in the draft, you know, and, and mortgaging their future to do that. Right. But not taking yeah. a running back in the first round, you know, trading up for a running back to me is, is ludicrous when there's, you know, 40 running backs in this draft that you know, we've seen seventh rounders contribute on playoff teams. You know? So yeah, to me, yeah. to me, it was, it was, there was a lot of reaching going on early in the draft. Um, and guys that I thought would fall down to us around 74 were long gone by the time we got there. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, Keanu Benton uh, went 49 to the Steelers. Um, Gervon Dexter went 53 to the bears. Uh, Tuli Tuli Potu went 54 to the Chargers. Um, you know, all those edge guys, I thought there was a, at least a slim chance that, you know, they could get down into our range. Um, yeah, wasn't happening. <laughs> nobody even made it into the sixties. Right. <laughs> right. Or, no, no, they were all taken in the, in, you know, before 40s, pick 55. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and even my, my top tackle prospect, um, Tyler Steen, um, went 65 to the Eagles. So, you know, the options for us at 74, if, if you, you know, looked at the, the guys that we really sort of zeroed in on over the last several weeks on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're pretty, pretty limited <laughs> there. We didn't, you know, we didn't really pass on anybody, you know, by taking Cedric Tillman, we didn't pass on anybody that I thought justified the 74th pick in the draft. Yeah, and that and that's interesting. Um, I I don't think most people would have expected the Browns to take a wide receiver, um, and I no. think some people were. Oh, I know some people were upset about it, but they're looking at what positions the Browns need, and they're looking at drafting from a from that standpoint again. Of, of we have to draft what we need. Um, let's reach for somebody. Instead right. of doing what the Browns did, and that's drafting for value, yes, and and, and you end up with a lot better draft when you draft for value. Um, yeah, the yeah, the Browns have have arguably, you know, the the first three guys are arguably guys who could step in and play now if needed, um, and then beyond that, they got guys who, who could all be developed, um, you know, at least into making the roster, if not into uh, potential starters one day and, and, then, and they all address positional developmental needs in coming seasons yeah know, like we've talked yeah. about certain roster spots getting expensive you know or guys getting older and needing you know younger guys to take their place and and you know that's the consistent message from andrew barry is is that you know he's drafting for future seasons and mm-hmm. you see that with picks like you know dewan jones right um you know, yeah, we know that Jack Conklin gets hurt. Um, he's 
making a, quite a bit of money. Um, so you, you want to have guys like him, um, guys like Luke Whipler. So you don't have to go out and, and pay a whole bunch of money to somebody like Ethan Posick. You know, I mean, yeah. Ethan Posick's going to going to be around for a couple seasons, but best case scenario is, is that Luke Whipler's ready to step in right behind him and you don't have to go out and find that position later. Yeah, and, and the Browns um, the Browns exercise their option on Jed Wills, but um, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see what they do after that. They they probably still don't have a guy on the roster who can play left tackle, but they've they've got probably two guys who can play each of the other positions right now. Yes, yes, that's why yeah. you that's why you pay Jed because yeah. that's one of the hardest positions in the NFL to fill. And, and to get at least average play out of. I mean, all, all the fans have to do is think back to who was playing left tackle for us before we drafted Jed. And, Several and, guys, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and not well. <laughs> so, and nobody as well as Jed, right. I don't think. And, that, and that's what everybody forgets, okay, is that, um, yeah, he's not Joe Thomas, but he he at least gives us competent left tackle play and and that's not an easy thing to to replace no, so no. you know unless you're in love with james hudson over there which i'm not okay I, th- I think he can hold it down you know in short term you know short bursts but i don't want james hudson starting 17 games at left tackle for me that's that's not why we drafted him right Right. He's yeah, he's going to be more than capable to be the the backup and to, to swing and yep. and, you know, he'll do a good job in that role. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's and that's really where he's best suited. Guys get nicked up a lot. So you yeah. need that 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 competent guy that can go in and, and give you some some snaps and not really hurt the team. You know, um, I think Dewan Jones has has a bit higher ceiling because of the physical profile. I mean, you know, he yeah. he can be an imposing right tackle if if he develops correctly. You know, if they they slot well, him in at the end of Jack Conklin's contract or whenever he, he departs, okay? He he should be on the right team to to develop properly. You would think he so with be. the best offensive line coach in football. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So yep. so Jeff have you had a chance to, uh, or did you look at who was available in the seventh round when the Browns traded their check? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's kind of why I asked for about um, Kenny McIntosh, because to me, you know, at, at 229, um, that was the last position that we probably could have filled. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't going to find a linebacker at that point. Um, we weren't going to find a safety or a tight end at that point that to me, that would make the roster. We probably could have found a running back and, and Kenny McIntosh was sitting there that, you know, that one of Peter's favorites that I, I think, you know, would have done a nice job for us as a third down back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we elected to, to trade to pick to the Ravens, um, which not a bad move. I mean, moving, moving up around huh. next year. Right. But yeah, just, they need some one, picks for next year. They need yeah, some. Yeah. I mean, that one, that one, I, I would have expected them to take a running back there. Yeah. Oh, and but by the I way, predict that they'd make seven picks. I was going to say, by the way, congrats on that. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I don't know if I wrote down who you said they would take, but you you were probably pretty close uh, in the positions. 
So I, I kind of was thinking that they would trade one of the fifth rounders, but um, yeah, they, when they, when they got down to the seventh round and there just wasn't anybody they liked left on the board, um, it makes perfect sense to, you know, move it, move it for next year. Yeah. But you, then you look at who they took in the fifth round, they took the quarterback you've been talking about right. and, and they use the other pick on a cornerback that you've been, I'm not, not, <laughs> you know, on the fact that you said they could take a cornerback at any point in time. So, yeah. so yeah. those worked yeah. out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So. To me, the, the real surprise was, was Luke Whipler in the sixth. Um, you mm. know, I, I had us, I had us taking juice Scruggs and, because uh, I kind of figured we'd go center or somebody interior line at that point. And, you know, those two guys completely were flipped in terms of, you know, where they were ranked. I mean, Whipler was, was ranked, you know, second or third round and Scruggs was, was much later. And, and he went off the board early, really then. early. Yeah. Yeah. So without really just talking roster and everything, you know, we were kind of talking that that we didn't expect, you know, maybe not this many guys to be drafted. I know you said seven, but um, I, 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 without saying how many will make the roster, because you got to kind of look at everything and how everybody plays. But yeah, I, I can't, I can't see how any of these seven guys don't make the roster. Honestly, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's very a, interesting. There's a big difference between, you know, liking a guy in the draft or liking an, a UDFA and seeing his potential and, and ending up on the 53 man, uh, particularly yeah. when you've got such a deep 53 man. And, and we know that, you know, there's a, a big difference between the first 53 or, or at least a, not a huge difference, but at least a significant difference between the first 53 and where they end up you know, when they break camp. Right. So, um, yeah. you're going to have some guys that, that float through the roster for, you know, the preseason and then, you know, don't break camp with us, you know, don't, don't end up on the final 53. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, we've got, we've got a long time to talk about who ends up on the 53, but I tend to agree with you that every one of these picks fills one of those 11 needs that we talked about. Yeah. They've got, and, they've got a really good shot of making it. All right. I, I, I don't see, I mean, it, I can't identify one that I think won't make the roster of those seven picks. Yeah, that, that's really all I'm saying. I mean, the UDFAs, yep. you know, and there's some of those guys, you know, are going to have a very good shot at it, too. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I we guess got, I, if, if I had to that. if I had to pick one um, to me, that's that's least likely to make the roster. Um, I would probably go with Isaiah McGuire because he's well, got to beat out Alex Wright, and they're very similar players. And Alex well, now he's got to beat out he's got to beat out Lonnie Phelps, and you know, and two. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more concerned, yeah, with with guys above him right now, but um, yeah, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of challenges behind him too. It's gonna so, yeah, it's gonna be a competitive position, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Well, let's um, I, I guess uh. I don't know. Um, what uh, do you want to give a grade for this draft, Jeff? I think four was real generous at A minus. Um, I mean, based on the available capital for Andrew mm-hmm. Barry, I think he did really well on all these picks. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably in that B plus range. I, I think it was a very good draft for him. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would have liked to come out of this draft with a, a more impactful D line player. But the, the draft just didn't fall that way. Yeah, the guys, um, yeah, DTs were taken earlier, um, yep. you know, and and other edge guys. So, so yeah, that's right. just the way it happened. So, all right. Um, closing closing thoughts, Jeff, or words? Yeah, words just, um, you know, the, the, I think the Rodney McLeod sign, is, a, is that's a great signing um, from a, a veteran ex- experience and, and, and winning pedigree. You know, we've talked a lot about putting guys on this roster who have won and who can bring that culture. Um, so I like adding him a lot, knowing that Juan Thornhill is going to get the majority of the snaps back there. It's going to let Rodney McLeod do what he's good at. And from that standpoint, you know, every position that we can fill that way, um, to me, that, that, that bodes well for how this roster is going to be constructed. Um, and that's really, that's all we're talking about this time of year, right? Is, is how the roster is constructed. And does that give us a good chance going into the season, um, of being competitive week in and week out? And, and I really like what Andrew Berry's done so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been the Browns blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. (laughs) 